Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. City News. It's 17.30 GMT. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. I am Umaru Sanda Amadu. Tonight, I'm here with... Eno Safo. And coming up over the next 90 minutes, in what appears to be akin to closing the stables after the horses have bolted, local government officials in Ho have begun demolishing ex-buildings in waterways following the weekend's devastating floods. We'll be touching bees with the efforts to rehabilitate people who have been displaced in that part of the country. Also, coming up, government free Wi-Fi in senior high schools malfunctioning well largely. That's according to the Africa Education Watch. We'll be understanding what they gathered so far. And later on Eyewitness News, football administrators converging on the Ashanti Regional Capital, Kumasi, agreed to charge a 900% increase in filing fees for the upcoming Congress. We hear what else they've been deciding. Stay with 97.3 CTF of more of this and many other stories on Eyewitness News. And in business, Institute of Statistical, Social and Economic Research ESA calls for reclassification of Ghana's housing initiatives. That's in 15 minutes. Ni Lati Lati from the business desk of CTFM and CDTV will be back with details of those stories. Eyewitness News live across Ghana on a number of affiliate stations, including in the Western region on Premier 100.5 FM and Sky Power 93.5 FM, both in Takradi, as well as Beach 105.5 FM, also in Takradi. We are in the Bono region on Greener 95.9 FM in Sunyani. Ahafo region, we are on Hammers Radio 106.5 in Gorso. We are in the Ashanti region on Alpha Radio 104.9 in Komasi. We are on Orange FM on, on Orange FM 107.9 as well. In Kumasi, in the Volta region, where we'll be going to shortly, we are on Global 105.1 FM in Ho. We are on Adanu 107.7 FM in Arakulwaya. In the Northern region, on Diamond 93.7 FM in Tamale. In Upper West, on Westlink 88.1 FM in Laura. On Source 100.1 FM in Boko, in the Upper East region. And Upper West, we are on the Nak- North East, rather. We are on the Nakpanduri Escarpment via Scarp 101.3 FM. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. We are coming to you from our studios in Adabraka in Akka. We are live on YouTube. We are live on Facebook. We are interactive. Do join us on WhatsApp 0549-986-996. Or send tweets using the hashtag City Newsroom. Let's settle for details of our stories now. And the first one is taking us to the Volta region. It is unusual to hear of flooding, not from the sea, but from the rains in that part of the country. But that's the situation. That's what happened over the weekend. Houses submerged. Some businesses also submerged. Vehicles were stuck. number of challenges arising. Students were driven out of their hostels. Students of the whole technical university among the host of other challenges. Dr. Archibald Lecher is a Volta Regional Minister. He's joined us on the line. Doc, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. 
Thank you. Thank you very much. Good afternoon to your listeners. Good evening. I've tried to give a quick summary of events as we have gathered here, but you have a better brief because you are the man in charge of coordinating all municipalities and districts in the region. Uh, which of your municipalities and districts have been affected? What have you gathered so far? Well, thank you very much. It uh, was a heavy downpour on um, Saturday afternoon. Uh, it started around 3 p.m. And uh, a lot of places got flooded. Uh, the gutters were choked. Uh, many rooms were flooded. Many businesses were affected. And um, it took... Uh, uh, the, the rain lasted for about two, three hours. And around 4 p.m., 5 p.m., many places were flooded. Uh, but around 6 p.m., the... In most, in most places, the, the floods began to recede. So a lot of damage was caused to, 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 to people's homes and people's uh, businesses. And some of the roads have also uh, be, be, been affected. So from yesterday, the NADMO, uh, the Adore Department of the Ministry of Western Housing, and Ministry of uh, uh, the Urban Roads Department and Highway Authority, they've been assessing the, the, the damage to recommend to 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 ask what what must be done. Uh, there will be a need for um, relief items uh, to be distributed to displaced persons. Uh, unfortunately, they are to leave for for Accra. Uh, so, but the the minister chief executive is is on the ground with the NADMO directors and then the the road engineers. And hydrology people are also on the ground uh, assessing the situation. But it was a very, very heavy rain. Very, very, very heavy. Is this unusual in the Volta region, specifically in who? Yeah, it rains. It rains. But you know, a lot of things are changing. Global warming, climate change. But Thursday's, the Saturday's rain was extremely heavy. It was torrential. It was not... Is within a few hours, every almost every place got flooded, and uh, I happened to be in a church at that time for a function. Uh, I knew it was raining, but I didn't know it was so serious. So we got out of the church and realized that most of the vehicles that had come to the church were floating water. So, and it was very difficult. Some of the roads in Ho were not passable. Um, the the major street, uh, then the. We call it uh, the Upper Day, Upper Day Street. They were all flooded. So we had to go through uh, Anagokoji to other places to find out what was going on. But fortunately, around 6 p.m., uh, it, it was the situation was much better. But people's rooms, houses were flooded, walls were broken, and, and, and a lot of damage was, was, was caused. It was a very, a very, very heavy rain. So it's not so much about the longevity of the rain, but rather the volumes that came down. The volume was serious, my brother. Maru. The volume was, was, was serious. There was no wind. It was just pouring. And um, it, is, uh, it, was, it, was, it, was, it took all of us by surprise. And, uh, we, and I know many people were not prepared. Uh, there were many traders who were in their shops uh, there was a shop that was, uh, the walls were broken down and a, a lot of damage has been caused. I'm sure mm. your 
your your reporters might have given you the details. In, indeed, but, we have we have pictures yeah. and videos that we've been sharing on CTV. Yeah. But yeah. I do know that you have lots of road construction happening in yeah. in, in the capital. Could it be that the drains that are still under construction may have caused the devastation we saw, so the water had no way to go than to enter people's homes and destroy their properties? No, the, the, thank you. The, the, the drains are available. The drains have been completed. The drains are available. But, you know, there's a capacity for every drain. If the volume of water is much more than the drain can, can accumulate, then there will be overflow. So uh, I think that it's just the sheer volume of water uh, that uh, that that caused this uh, havoc, but um, we 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 just a lot of actions have been taken by the assembly. We want to uh, there are obviously structures on the waterways uh, that have to be cleared, and I believe that we have to do that before we have another heavy rain. So the municipal assembly, the NADMO, and other institutions are working hard uh, to to address the issue so that if you have another heavy rain, it will not cause so much havoc. Okay. I've heard that you are carrying out a demolition exercise of buildings on waterways. That would amount to closing the stables after the horses have bolted, wouldn't you agree? And that is an afterthought that should have been dealt with before the rains? You know that uh, we are all aware that building permits are issued by municipal assemblies. And uh, we have to find out why those people, unless they were building without permits, why those buildings were allowed along the waterways. But um, it, 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 I, I've been told that the municipal assembly was embarking on a demolition exercise this morning. But as I told you earlier, I'm, I'm not in the region at the moment, but I'm receiving constant reports from what is going on, on the ground. I'll return tomorrow. Uh, to assess what, what has been going on. Very well. Thank you so much for speaking to us, Doc. Thank you. Thank you very much. That's Dr. Ajibo Lecha. He's a water regional minister. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. Let's hear from the National Disaster Management Organization. Ivy Amewuga is the water regional director of NADMO. Madam, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. What's your own independent assessment of the situation from Saturday and what steps have you taken so far? Yeah, thank you, and good evening to your listeners. Uh, my own assessment uh, on Sunday, that was yesterday, upon going around with the municipal uh, chief executive and his team, and then my municipal NADMO directorate, and then the regional directorate with uh, my team, we realized that there were a lot of uh, buildings on waterways, um, there were engineering problems that needed to be solved. Uh, so uh, we have contacted the hydrology department. Uh, as I said earlier, uh, the, ma the boss just uh, scheduled a meeting uh, with me on Thursday. So I'll definitely liaise with the assembly uh, to get some expert advice on what to be done about the drainage and then the engineering aspect of the whole thing. Uh, assembly also assured us that uh, this morning they will be embarking on a demolition exercise of which I, I spotted my my municipal director and then uh, the assembly expects uh, uh, doing such exercise this afternoon 
when I was taking the uh, regional uh, urban road uh, director engineer to one of the broken covers. So the problems were as a result of um, neglect or poor infrastructure development and not necessarily due to climatic conditions that may have led to more volumes of water descending than we expected? Uh, I would say it's, it's, uh, it's both because uh, the climate change uh, also had an effect. Even though it's been raining all this while, uh, we, we've never experienced such a volume of uh, 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 rainwater or uh, such flood situation uh, in whole. Uh, so I would say climate change is also part, and then uh, some aspects are also uh, engineering uh, uh, problems and then uh, building on waterways and indiscriminate uh, throwing of refuse into the drainage system. I thought Ho was one of the cleanest cities we have in the country. Where are we talking about fields and drains? That's strange. Yes, the flood uh, uh, exposed uh, some of uh, 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 areas where that are not, uh, uh, should I say, adhering to the laid down uh, rules of the uh, the the whole being the uh, oxygen city uh, mantra. So uh, the Saturday floods have exposed such areas whereby people hide in their homes with their refuse only for them to spot that no, the weather looks like it's going to rain or it's raining. Then they go and then dump their refuse in the gutter. Uh, the Saturday flood exposed those areas or communities that have been indulging in that. I see. Um, so this last minute or afterthought kind of demolition that is happening, you reckon that's going to be the solution so that we do not see this in the future? Um, yes, I feel that uh, the measures that uh, we are putting in place the assembly embarking on the demolition of uh, uh, structures that are on the waterway, and then the hydrology department coming to give us, uh, coming together with the urban road uh, uh, department, coming to give us expert advice on what needs to be done about the drainage. Because the civic center, the drainage, I wouldn't say it's small. So that means there is a problem that needs just to be solved uh, for the water to be able to flow freely. So I'm hope, I'm looking forward to that meeting. I hope uh, once we get this thing done immediately uh, or as soon as possible, we wouldn't be facing such uh, uh, occurrences in the near future. Since you you do not expect devastation and disaster in whole as a result of flooding the presumption would be that as an organization, you wouldn't have been prepared and expecting uh, anything like that so that you'd be preparing to deal with it. Now that you are faced with this, do you have enough resources, both human and, uh, and, 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 and the other resource that you require, logistics, to support people who are devastated? Yes, uh, uh... You know, we are an emergency uh, organization. Hence, I would say we are prepared. Uh, we have uh, both the uh, human resource and then uh, logistics. But, uh, you know, disaster management is a collective uh, 
responsibility. So I'll use this medium to uh, appeal to well-meaning Ghanaians uh, who have seen the havoc that has been caused by the flood uh, and are willing to freely donate uh, to us. Uh, they can contact NADMO and we will, we will be glad to accept such an assistance because uh, no matter what, we cannot do it all. So we are prepared, but we are still appealing to world meaning Ghanaians to help us uh, uh, solve the, the needs of our people. Are you making some donations do of relief items? Who and who have been targeted? What areas are you looking at? And what more do we expect from you? Yes, uh, this I just got the reports from the Home Municipal uh, NADMO Directory uh, about some 15 minutes ago. Uh, even though it's still raining and the lights have been up for some time now, uh, it's back and hopefully we will be sending the reports to the headquarters uh, for the necessary action. We have made some recommendations in the report and we are hoping that uh, expedite actions will be taken upon uh, they are receiving the reports. Are there people who have been you know, um, and, and moved out of their homes because of the flooding? How are you dealing with such persons if there are any? Yeah, uh, some people have, have, uh, have to leave their homes and go and put up with their friends and family for the meantime. And as I said, it's still raining, uh, but we are just praying and hoping that such uh, a flood wouldn't occur. But as of yesterday, when we went around, some homes that were flooded, the water has receded, and then uh, they are just cleaning their homes and then uh, put up there once again. But you're not having to move people into any camp or any facility where you they, they need to be kept safe. That does not happen. And you're not asking people to move out, are you? No, no, no. All right, all right. And so you mean that you are not anticipating further disaster. Have you been communicating with the Matthew service? What are they saying to you? Uh, for the metro service, they have been giving us updates uh, on what to expect in the coming days as in the heavy rain. So we are also uh, getting ourselves ready. And I've, I've spoken with some of my, my uh, staff to help us identify some safe heavens for future uh, occurrences. But even though we are hoping and praying, uh, it wouldn't get to this. We just have to be prepared for it. Thank you so much for speaking to us, and please keep up the good work. Thank you. That's Ivy Amewuga. She's the Volta Regional Director of the National Disaster Management Organization, NADMO. Our correspondent in the Volta region is Desmond Selassiago. He has been covering it all for us, both for City TV, citynewsroom.com, and, of course, CTFM. He's joined us on, li on the line now for a quick wrap-up of events so far as he's been following. Um, Desmond, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Um, so which parts did you go to? I mean, when I see flooding in Accra, and I mean the serious ones, often uh, you would have to see people on boats trying to rescue people uh, moving um, about. We see vehicles being stuck. We see people on rooftops. What was the picture on Saturday as, as you moved about and observed? And how did you even do your own movement yourself? Good evening, Sandra. Um, thank you very much. Um, so on Saturday around 2 p.m., the rain started. Uh, it, on a normal day, it would just rain for some few minutes and uh, end. But Saturday's was somehow different. 
because it lasted for over three hours and the magnitude of the rainfall wasn't just uh, the light rain we've been observing for some past days now. It was very, very heavy and uh, the, for it lasting for over three hours um, because the whole, whole is a valley place or it's situated between, uh, in between two mountains, as you say, um, waters from upstream flow, uh, flow down to the community itself. So as a, as a result of this, um, debris, fields, and uh, other um, branches of trees uh, from the top side downwards to the community itself. So this, uh, they are not too much big, so these tree branches and stuff block the, the culvert under the bridge or the culvert bridge. So this made it... Um, possible for, for the rains to just divert or pass into people's homes and also destroy shops uh, and, and some home appliances in, in some uh, communities. Some communities affected included the Bankwe, Dolofoji, Barak, um, Upojo Street and, uh, and Trafalgar area. We, we've seen some uh, number of shops, which uh, are some big shops in the, in the municipality, all been destroyed with thousands of goods uh, also being washed away by the flood water. But um, assessment by the NADMO and the Minister Assembly showed that some structures have been built on waterways, which also played a major role in the flooding incident which occurred on Saturday. Um, but some community members or residents who were affected also blamed the flooding incident on the poor drainage system we, we are having in the municipality. According to them, we've uh, outlived or the grain population is now much bigger to, than, than the uh, drainage systems we are having, where people now dump refuse into the drains and clog their drains. So their appeal now is for uh, city authorities to ensure that um, a much bigger drainage system is constructed in the municipality to, to uh, avert such situations in the near future. I see. Uh, but generally, we are told people are putting up with their relatives. Um, do you have people who've had to move to places like school parks, church buildings, and so on, um, in, in, in case their houses are, are submerged, or the waters have all receded, and so it's okay for people to go back to their homes? Okay, so for now, since um, Saturday evening, the water was able to recede, and uh, for now, people are still in their homes, just that they are still clearing the, the mess uh, created by the flood. But we've not seen anybody came on the open or as part or, or any other place. But some may, may go to, to stay with some neighbors or family members, but for now we've not seen any, anybody sleeping in the open. The demolition exercise, how is that coming? So the demolition exercise started this morning. The municipal NADMO director, uh, Stephen Adigon, led to some of the affected areas or some areas where um, structures built on waterways, or structures are built on waterways. Some of the structures were pulled down. Unfortunately, some of the residents were not understanding why they should uh, demolish or pull down their structures. According to them, it is their land and they, uh, they do everything on the land, so it is not uh, worth it 
uh, Nadmo come and demolish the the, the, the structure. But Nadmo is also saying it is a waterway. Uh, yes, it's a waterway, and uh, uh, they, they, they are doing this to ensure safety in the, the municipality. But moving forward, they are also going to ensure that uh, permits are properly to people before construction of buildings begin. Very well. Thank you so much for speaking to us. Do keep an eye on the developments and report for us as and when you get something to share with the audience of CTFM and CDTV. Thank you. That's Desmond Celestia, is our correspondent in the Vota region. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. Still ahead, government talked about free Wi-Fi in senior high schools. Ghana Education Watch has gone to do a survey and it says that it appears a Wi-Fi thing is not Wi-Fi. Stay with us. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. You're welcome back. Now, government's free Wi-Fi program has been found to be malfunctioning in about 75% of sampled senior high schools. This is according to Education Think Tank, Africa Education Watch, which has conducted a rapid efficiency analysis of the free Wi-Fi program, which began in 2019. Indeed, let's talk about that program and the research that was conducted. Kofi Asari is the executive director of Africa Education Watch. Uh, Mr. Asari, welcome to Eyewitness News. Thank you very much, Sandra. Good evening to your first audience. Good evening to you too. What's the idea behind this research? Uh, tell us about the schools, the sample size of the schools. And before then, remind us of what this government program was about. Well, in 2020, the vice president launched uh, a free Wi-Fi program for senior high schools. This is education of the regional education officers. Initially, it included a Colleges of Education. The idea was that internet availability in our schools you know, was critical to improving teaching and learning, and we agree with that. So we applauded the whole idea and intervention. Um, so busy internet was engaged as uh, the internet says rider on a single source procurement you know, um, approach wasn't competitive. We raised an issue during the procurement stage in 2019, but as usual, it wasn't hidden. So we have a situation where uh, this internet is now supplying internet service after installing internet in all this 317 senior uh, high schools, and then uh, this 216 also district education offices and education offices. Now, our job was simply to attain efficiency. Africa Education Watch believes that one of the challenges in our education sector in Africa is spending efficiency, where we spend more, but on low efficiency. And every year, we select two projects where we run a spending efficiency analysis to see whether how much we are spending is worth the, the amount being invested. So we sampled 150 senior high schools. Out of how many? 
out of the 717 senior high schools that are supposed to benefit from the Wi-Fi problem. So these are basic, um, not not basic, uh, these are day schools and boarding schools at all? Boarding schools, yeah, day schools and boarding schools, senior high schools. Sample them to ascertain the extent to which the Wi-Fi facility was working and beyond that, ascertain how they were using it to improve their system and experience, uh, etc. And we found that in close to 78% of the school sample, the Wi-Fi facility was not working. And um, not only were, I mean, not only was the Wi-Fi not working in some of these schools, but we realized that in schools like, I mean, in schools like Presex, in Augustus, it had been down for months. And in some schools, it had been down for up to one and a half years. So the long downtime, you know, triggered uh, adequate consent. Why did it trigger the consent? It triggered the consent because in the contract that the Ministry of Education has signed with Business Internet, the Ministry of Education is supposed to pay the Internet $6.3 million every month for internet service. That so, sorry, repeat, repeat that figure, please. I'm saying that in the contract signed between the Ministry of Education and Business Internet, the Ministry is supposed to pay $6.3 million every month at the recurrent cost of supplying internet to the educational institutions. And do we know if that money is being paid or will be paid or has been paid? Well, the, once, the, once the internet service is being supplied to some of the schools, I don't have the reason to believe that the money is not being paid because in about 25% of the schools, internet service was running, it was being supplied, which means that the contract is still in force. And the contract is for a five-year period. Um, so starting 2019 December to for the next five years. What we are also aware of is that there are schools that have been off the internet for the one and a half years, some off for one year, and then uh, some of them off for up to six months, 36% were yet to receive Wi-Fi internet in six months. That's the whole of this year, 36%. And 55% in 18 months. And some of the schools around us that you can mention, I, I just mentioned percent, that, that's the nearest you can see. So um, it's obvious that for majority of the schools that we sampled, there, were, there was no Wi Fi internet being enjoyed. You know, and so we, in our report, recommended to the ministry that there's a section in the contract that allows for verification of output. At that session, there's supposed to be a five-month committee comprising refs from NACA, Ministry of Education, etc. And then I think NCE. We recommended that it is important for that particular uh, committee's mandate to be extended beyond the initial installation of Wi-Fi facilities in the schools to the monthly recurrent, you know, provision um, of Wi-Fi service. Because the initial installation is different. That's 84 million, different from the 6.3 million every month. And if we want to achieve value for money, it's incumbent on the Ministry of Education to ensure that before government pays internet every month for provision of Wi-Fi services, 
we must have a mechanism to ascertain whether all the institutions under the contract are receiving internet. Two, whether the internet being served by institutions is of the right certification as contracted. It is on this basis that the Ministry of Education would or should proceed to pay with internet. But when you have about 77 or so percent of the institutions in, I mean, of senior high schools receiving, I mean, not getting internet, then it means that there is a high risk of uh, low efficiency and low value for money. And that is why we have, we have requested the Auditor General to commission a performance of pay into the entire program. The entire program is supposed to serve about 1,000 educational institutions. As I mentioned, 216 district education officers, regional education directorate, and then the 717 senior high schools. That takes us to about 1,000 institutions. So we've requested the general to step in and then institute a broad, I mean, a broad or wide-scale uh, performance audit into the cost efficiency uh, of the program pro and also program efficiency so that they can advise the ministry on how to improve uh, upon the program going forward. Because we believe that this is one of the most important interventions in the education sector, not only secondary education, but also providing internet services to our additional education officers and regional education officers, facilitate communication in education management and administration, and also facilitate um, research in teaching and learning. I see, Kofi, when you say it is not functioning, is it the case that the installation has been done, but they don't procure or they don't buy data so that it continues to run? Exactly. Or it has not been installed at all? What what does no. not functioning mean? Not functioning means that, in fact, in other schools, internet facilities are already installed. As I mentioned, the contract has, a, has an 84 million galaxy component where internet facilities, equipment, were supposed to be installed. Okay, so that was done sometime in 2020. So the aim was to ascertain whether after the installation, the institutions were receiving Wi-Fi internet. And so the 77 or so percent that were not receiving Wi-Fi internet, obviously, um, and were, were senior high schools that even though had the equipment installed. Internet service was not being provided. I see. But for the twenty-three percent or so, and that, um, that, that for twenty-three percent or so, like Marseille African Senior High School, like uh, Noon Presby Senior High School, they had the internet installed, uh, the, the equipment installed, and the internet facility was also internet service was also. I see. Uh, have you tried to speak to Busy Internet? Has have they said anything to you? No, we we. This was a rapid survey. So for rapid survey, you want to do a, a rapid survey of the user institutions to gauge the level of usage. It wasn't a holistic research. But as usual, we wrote to the Ministry of Education for further details, and we we, we didn't get them. And so we only we couldn't have waited for that because we had information that many of the schools' internet services, internet service was down, and it was worrying because every month the state wouldn't care 
millions. And we couldn't wait forever for the despondency of the Ministry of Education in providing us the relevant information. So we had to hit the campuses and then collect data and advise the ministry that, look, the program is a good program. It's affecting positively teaching and learning in the schools that is being regularly served. But in the majority of the schools, about two thirds, there is no service. And so ensure that the contractor is delivering as contracted. And ensure that before you pay the contractor, you measure the output and, 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 be, and be certain that it is consistent with the quality uh, provided in the contract. And most importantly, if you have made payments in the past when internet service was down, you must take steps to redeem the payment because you were paying for services that were not delivered. Mm. And that is why it's important that we have brought the Auditor General into this conversation. Very well. Thank you so much for speaking to us. That's Kofi Asari, his executive director of the Education Think Tank, Africa Education Watch. We made calls to the Ministry of Education for comment on the matter. We've not been successful, neither have we been successful in getting to hear from busy internet. But your messages have been coming through. This one says, um, in the school I teach, which is Volta SHS at Jita, Agbladume, in the Anglogan district, that thing has never worked till date. In fact, the installation was not completed. So that's one message coming through. This other message from Prince Henry Koforido says, free Wi-Fi is good, but let the Nana Baumia-led MPP government do what is necessary before the fanfare. Basic schools don't have textbooks since 2018, and we are unconcerned and behaving like ostriches. When the basic school in fundamentals are weak, free senior high school will expose you in the future. Kwesi in Kumasi says, I teach in one of the SMS I believe you want to say senior high schools, I'm not sure. In the Ashanti region, the Wi-Fi stopped working just two weeks after it was installed. I pray the government can do something about it. Other messages in relation to the other story brought to you tonight, Flood. Uh, Kwame from Hohe says, in Ghana, we only know how to explain issues when the unexpected happens. We've never been proactive. Where was the municipal assembly when people were building on the waterway? Square pegs in round holes are killing us. Jonathan Dokinu, Dokinu in Akachi says, It is a very sad situation and I sympathize with all the flood victims, but I find it difficult to understand why our authorities paid by the taxpayers sit and look on for the damage to be caused only for them to come back to use the taxpayers' money to correct the result of their negligence. Uh, this, he, he has a side note where he says, My visibility studies shows that about 95% of gutters constructed in Ghana a waste of money because they do not serve the best purposes in Krumas, Ghana. Alex Kofi Arini in Adenta Commando says, I wonder why our authorities always wait till havoc occurs before they begin to act. Jones Adoboy in La says, A very sad news from Volta region uh, over the weekend. This is very unusual from this part of the country. The city authorities must be up and doing. Uh, Baba Chairman in uh, Tamale says, uh, I sincerely sympathize with the flood victims in the Volta region and urge all to kindly give the victims all the needed support. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTF and we are broadcasting from Adabraka in Accra. We'll be back with more. Please stay with us. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3. Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973. And Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973. With the hashtag Eyewitness News.
You're welcome back. Aisha Wong has denied being involved in any mining activities or mining support activities in Ghana. She made this known in her witness statement after she opened her defense in the ongoing criminal trial against her. Aisha Wong, who returned to the country illegally after being deported in 2019, is facing trial over Galamsey-related activities. The state called 11 witnesses who testified to Aisha Wong engaging in illegal mining in the Ashanti region, particularly in the Amansia South District. But in her witness statement, Aisha Wong said her firm has never been involved in any mining activities as she holds no license for mining. According to her, all evidence brought forward by the prosecution is untrue. Away from that, there is tension at Emina in the Oforiko municipality of the Ashanti region following the destruction of a community cemetery by a developer. The developer, who claims to have secured a court order over the land, brought trucks to work on it this weekend. Some bodies were exhumed in the process, which has alarmed residents. Three persons were arrested on Saturday but have since been granted bail. There are fears the uncovered graves would result in environmental health hazards to the community. The Assembly Member for the Boedia Mena Piedu and Kokobin Electoral Area, Kenneth Ousubediakon, narrated the incident to City News. The agitation was that a um, uh, grader has been set on their cemetery to pave a way for a woman who is building on a cemetery land. And hence, uh, bodies that were buried years and those that were buried months ago has been exposed. And that they do not understand why people that were involved within these actions are working freely, whilst some that were contesting against this action had been arrested. Uh, hitherto, I, I was informed along the line that people and persons that were, as I said, protesting not to allow them to do what they were doing had been sent to appear at the police station by the anti-robbery team in Ophorikrum. So I quickly uh, rushed to the scene to ascertain whether what the youth were saying was true. And true to their words, I realized that truly there has been some grading on that uh, cemetery and then some bodies and then towns that used to exist are no more there. After uh, having the first-hand information, I moved towards the police station to ask why those uh, guys had been arrested and I was informed that uh, those who came to make the complaint said they had threatened that they were going to kill or either beat them or whatever and that uh, they fear for their lives so they had to report them to the police. So because they were at the police station, the tension was mounting. Together with the MP, Honorable Dr. Emmanuel Kabnamaf, we had to be in touch with the police to take their statements then release them so that uh, at least it will bring down the tension for the issue to be settled amicably. It was so done, so the, the, those that were arrested were released. And then yesterday, the community had uh, a press conference to voice out things that, uh, grading and other things that were going on within the community for the whole world to know what was transpiring in Emina. And then it, it came to our knowledge that uh, one woman who works at KNUST had put on a building within the cemetery land, and that she wanted an access route to her house. That is why they graded that place. Kenneth Ousubidiakun is the assembly member for the Buadi electoral area in the Ashanti region. The municipal chief executive for Oforikum, Abraham Kwame Entry, however, tells City News a team of environmental health officers is working to carry out fumigation of the area and also cover the opened graves. What we have done this morning is that 
I got the team of professionals, including environmental health people, disease control people, fiscal planning people, works department people. We have been there to look at the situation. And the recommendation from all these professionals is to the effect that the open graves there poses some serious threats to uh, human life. And if we don't quickly deal with them, fumigate and cover the place, uh, we could easily have issues with uh, health. Well, we have asked the Ebusia Penny and the traditional people to quickly liaise with Mencia and make sure they do the necessary traditional uh, obligations, i.e. pouring of libation and other things, to pave way for us to also go and cover the uh, graves and do our fumigation and other things. What would you say is the security of the place and what are you doing to curtail the this, uh, any private? This morning when we got there, the place was tensed. In fact, two guys who were alleged perpetrators of the uh, construction work uh, were at the police station and the community, a lot of the community youth were there demanding the police to release those boys so they could deal with them in their own way. I calmed them down that that's not the way to uh, cure the mischief. When there is a mischief, you have to go through the right. I spoke with the tech commander who then sent the patrol team to come and take the two people from that uh, police station, appear to police station specifically. So as I speak to you, they've taken them away from that place. They've sent them to tech police station. So the noise which were emanating from the youth currently is down. And then we've assured them that on our part, we'll make sure the right things are done too. Abraham Kwame Entry is the Municipal Chief Executive for Ofurikrum in the Ashanti region. Away from that, members of Parliament and Municipal Chief Executives from Gumwa and Afutu in the Central Region are set to constitute a bipartisan probe into matters of land disputes involving the two communities. The Gumwa Sin Traditional Council recently expressed dissatisfaction with the alleged encroachment activities of residents of Afutu on their lands. The Council said the trend, if not dealt with, could lead to a confrontation between the two traditional authorities. Speaking to journalists in Parliament, the political leaders called for calm among the traditional authorities as they take proactive steps in dealing with the long-standing land disputes. The Member of Parliament for Efutu, Alexander Penyomarkin, spoke on behalf of the group. And to urgently alleviate rising tensions and promote a peaceful environment, we acknowledge the importance of engaging with Parliament chiefs along with relevant government bodies such as the Ministry of Lands and Natural Resources, Ministry of Local Government, and Ministry of Interior. By involving these stakeholders, we aim to comprehensively address administrative and traditional boundary issues, fostering a coordinated effort towards lasting solution. We will actively engage with other relevant stakeholders, including the Lands Commission, potential estate developers, and leaders of businesses within the affected areas. Our objective is to emphasize the need for caution and adherence to legal and regulatory frameworks protecting the interests of all parties involved. Protecting the interests of all parties involved. This issue transcends partisan affiliations, requiring a united approach from all political leaders 
With this in mind, we intend to establish a bipartisan committee dedicated to thoroughly investigating the underlying concerns, ensuring an impartial and comprehensive approach to resolving the dispute. As political leaders, we hold the responsibility of preserving the cultural heritage and security of our communities. We assure the chiefs within our respective areas that we will utilize our influence and authority to protect the ancestral lands from any unjust encroachment. Alexander Fenyomarkin is Member of Parliament for Efutu in the Central Region. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Get the details. Every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed. Time now for City Business News on Eyewitness News, powered by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Ni Lati Lati. Let's settle for the details now. The Institute of Statistical, Social and Economic Research, ESA, is urging a reclassification of Ghana's affordable housing initiatives. Despite the government endeavors in implementing such projects, a significant portion of the population, particularly the average Ghanaian worker, continues to face challenges in affording these properties. The Ministry of Works and Housing in 2020 reported a housing deficit of around 2 million units with an annual demand exceeding 300,000 units. Here is Director of ESA, Professor Peter Corti. So if we want to enhance housing, improve housing for the poor, then we need to target that segment of society. Let's construct units that are really affordable, that will target the low income. Um, they normally single bedroom, um, and facility, single bedroom, chamber and hall, those are the kind of houses they occupy. But all we have these days are very expensive, high-end, which they cannot afford. And you find quite a number of such houses, high-end houses dotted in the prime areas, uh, East Legon and, and all the key um, areas, that somewhere even are being empty because not many people can afford them. So a reclassification of this by targeting, I mean, uh, we can continue putting up houses for the middle and high income, but we need to also focus on the low income. Professor Peter Corte is a director of the Institute of Statistical, Social and Economic Research, ESE. Away from that, the Bank of Ghana will in the third quarter of 2023 sell 120 million US dollars to bulk oil distribution companies, BDCs, under the FX forward auction calendar for the same period. Per the calendar, 40 million US dollars each will be auctioned in July, August and in September. Further breakdown suggests that $20 million each will be sold on July 14 and 28. $20 million each would also be sold on August 15 and August 30, respectively. The central bank will again sell $20 million on September 14 and $20 million on September 29. The FX support to the BDCs will reduce the dollar liquidity constraint being faced by the oil importers to help in the supply of petroleum products and stabilize prices at the pumps. 
Away from that, the Ghana Apparel Manufacturers Association is asking government to prioritize investment in the industry to make the country the preferred apparel manufacturing hub. The group, which is the largest apparel-based business advocacy organization in the country, says given the right support, it will be able to produce T-shirts on large scale to support other sectors, including players in the printing industry. The apparel manufacturers make the point that if the operational challenges that confront the industry are eliminated, it will go a long way to boost the apparel manufacturing value chain. Speaking to City Business News on the back of its struggles, which intertwine with the printing industry consultant, uh, the Ghana Pro Manufacturers Association, Nuruddin Mohammed, insisted that the association has the capacity to promote growth and profitability in the industry. These are shares that, on a regular basis, are actually exported to the U.S. market. They are actually exported to the U.S. market. So quality is obviously at, at, at par or better than what you get from us. So our cost was far, far, far cheaper than even getting it from China. Extremely cheaper. Because what happens is that the manufacturing of the fabric would constitute almost close to 50% of the cost of the T-shirt. It's actually mostly controlled by the local. Like, you would go and work with your fabric designers and tell your fabric designers that I'm, I want to be able to produce a shirt that I can sell for a dollar. Then the fabric designer will work on the fabric and come to you and say that I can get you this at this cost because the fabric usually constitutes 50% of the cost of the T-shirt. So when you get that locked and you bring it here, the cost of labor in Ghana is far cheaper compared to China because one person's wage in China can pay more than four or five people. So with the right investment in equipment, you get Ghanaians to produce it. Your cost ultimately is far cheaper if you're going to sell it locally. Nuruddin Mohammed is consultant at the Ghana Apparel Manufacturers Association. Now, the Ghana National Gas Limited says issues that warranted an unplanned reduction in natural gas supply to the power generation companies have been resolved. There was widespread power outage in several parts of the country on Friday. Gridco blamed the outage on a shortage of gas supply from the Atuable Gas Processing Plant and the West African Gas Pipeline, resulting in a supply gap of 650 megawatts at peak time in the country. In response, WAPCO debunked claims that it was facing technical challenges which resulted in the power outage in parts of the country. But the Ghana National Gas Limited in a statement today explained that the situation was caused by an upset of its on-site power generation system causing a temporary shutdown of the Atuable Gas Processing Plant last Friday. Now, some players in the banking industry are recommending that the Bank of Ghana issues a financial sector stability fund bond as a measure of addressing the solvency challenges faced by institutions in the financial sector. Banking consultant Dr. Richmond Etuahin says this will help reduce the fiscal burden while facilitating the restructuring and recapitalization of local banks after the shocks of the domestic debt exchange program. He's been speaking to City Business News. If you look at the losses that we have made for the EDP, even not talking about the cocoa bills, the bonds itself created a loss of 37.7 billion. This DDP or this treasury bill bond, the bonds that you lost, it is not a shareholder who allowed them to buy it. It is the management and the board who bought it. I'm saying that create this bond and give it to the shareholders as a contingent liability. Why? You use the financial stability to fund the bank temporarily for the next three, four years. They create a bond. 
Let them hold it as a contingent liability, right? But you're holding them because you want them to be held responsible that in case you are not able to pay, at the end of the four years, we will call on you to come and pay. So now the banks would have to work hard for the next four years to be able to liquidate the bonds that is being issued to their shareholders. And that is the sweetest way we can go in this moment in time. Dr. Richmond Tuahene is a banking consultant. Away from that, and government through the Ministry of Food and Agriculture has indicated that the soon to be activated phase two of the Planting for Food and Jobs initiative will prioritize the production of more grains and cereals. This, according to government, will help scale up food production in the country as part of moves to address the food security needs of the country. Here is a Deputy Minister of Food and Agriculture in charge of crops, Yafrim Pon Ado, highlighting the phase two of the project project that we are launching there is a component in the new uh, pfj planting for food and jobs we call it chapter two that is coming to be launched shortly and this component is about the vulnerable the subsistence level of farming will not give us the food security that we need it is all about commercial agriculture moving from input subsidy, input credits. And this one, as the slogan, when it is land to go, I'm just giving out just a little bit of it, because the, all you need is your land. But it's a five years program. When we are starting uh, this minor season in, in the Southern Belt, the middle to Southern Belt, and the Northern Belt, the major season we are starting. And therefore the emphasis is more on the cereals, you know, the maize, the, the the sorghum, the millet, the rice, those kind of things that we want to have uh, food security in this country. When we have them, we can store them. That was a Deputy Minister of Food and Agriculture in charge of crops, Yafrim Pon Ado. Meanwhile, the Poultry Farmers Association of Ghana is impressing on government through this initiative reduce the instances of cereal importation by its members to feed their birds. Kwame Intibdudu is the immediate past president of the Greater Accra Poultry Farmers Association. We have always depended on uh, both the locally produced maize and then the imported one. And if you come to the soybean meal, 90% is always imported. When we have the land here that can do this, we have producers here that can produce it. But because of cost of production or uh, maybe, I don't know, uh, for some reason, we have had to rely 90% of this need on the imported soybean meal. So we have problems that policies must try to, to address, not these consequences markets we are hearing. But I think as a nation, we must be serious. And uh, Nigeria is about several times more populous than Ghana in terms of human population. Nigeria is self-sufficient in terms of portrait production. They don't import portrait things. Cote d'Ivoire is doing the same. Sometimes our members have to go to Cote d'Ivoire to get some drugs and vaccines for the portrait industry because the cost there of these products are cheap. So what is happening? How is it that Ghana alone, our agri inputs costs are so high? Kwame Intim Dodu is the immediate past president of the Greater Accra Poultry Farmers Association. And finally, as government prepares to present the mid-year budget later this month, the Ghana Union of Traders Association, Guta, is demanding that government stays away from the introduction of new taxes, but rather ensure efficiency in the collection of the already overburdening taxes. The association maintains that the state can rake in enough revenue if the leakages in the current tax regime system are fixed.
Guta says in the face of the significant economic challenges bedeviling the country, businesses must be cautioned to navigate through these difficulties. President of Guta, Dr. Joseph Obain, in an interview with City Business News said, the trading community expects the government to bring in measures that will ensure sustainability of the private sector. The efficient way of tax collection has been the bane. And that if we're able to do that, if the VAT that we are paying, just about 10% of Ghanaians are collecting the VAT receipts, and just about 20% of Ghanaians are charging the VAT, that alone, if we're able to structure and structure it well, make it uniform and universal for everybody, government can have a lot of money from there. And the leakages in the system, the abuses, the, uh, the tax exemption policy should be, should be removed. And then we give a window of opportunity for application for those that are needed. If you do that, we are saving about $2 billion. That we should be able to um, um, correct those abuses and reverse the trend to our favor. And then we'll get so much on the table. Then we are also saying that um, we should also manage our expenditure. If we're able to prone down on the expenditure, that alone can enhance on our revenue. That's what we need as a nation more than anything else if we have to make businesses survive. The private sector is the engine of growth of every economy in the world. So why do we have to kill the private sector? So we have to do everything to make sure that the private sector thrives and then it will catapult the growth of the nation you had president of the Ghana Union of Traders Association, Guta, Dr. Joseph Obin. That's all for City Business News on Eyewitness News. It was powered by a most comprehensive business news website, citybusinessnews.com. My name is Ni Lati Lati. Up next is Point Blank. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. This is Point Blank on Eyewitness News. My name is Umaru Sanda Amadou. We're grateful that you stayed with us. Tonight on Point Blank, it's been a while since we talked about Ghana football, isn't it? But tonight we are focusing on Ghana football, specifically the Ghana Football Association. There's a big event that happened in Kumasi today. Everybody who matters in Ghana football was there some. Major decisions were taken. There were disagreements prior to the meeting today. But it appears there's a heading now. So we've dragged into the studio for Point Blank, Gabi Offer, who is with the City Sports team on City TV and City FM. To help us understand what's happening, why the Ferrari of Ghana football 
How is Ket Okriku doing? The sports panorama team would always remind you that he says he has overperformed. Has he really? And how is he standing in the upcoming election of the GFA? Gabi, you're welcome to Poemlak. Thank you, Sonda. How are you? I'm doing well. Nice. What's happening in Kumasi or what happened in Kumasi? Yeah, is, so, it, is it a one-day thing or is it a number of days? Yeah, it's a one-day thing. Okay, so what happened in Kumasi Yeah, today? so it was the 29th ordinary section of Congress um, held by the Ghana Football Association. And, um, I mean, listeners will be wondering what a Congress is about or what what they, they um, held today mm-hmm. in Kumasi. So it happens after every football season. That's where you find the stakeholders in Ghana football. They meet to discuss pertinent issues surrounding the football space. So Premier League season <laughs> Yeah, is so over. Premier League is over. The Division 1 is over. Women's Premier League is also over. Okay. Um, so going into a new year. Exactly. So, you know, as and when the football is happening, mm-hmm. you have one or two issues popping up. So that's where they always organize the Congress so that they meet and then they discuss those issues. So you have members... Um, Rep from reps from that uh, all the Premier League teams okay. and also reps from the Division One League teams, reps from the women's Premier League teams. So it's basically like the top girls in Ghana football. So, so you also own, see owners of clubs, exactly managers of clubs, of clubs. Yeah, players don't go. No so players don't just go. Administrators. administrators. So GFA officers, exactly. regional executives, yes, RFA chairmen, okay, and everything. I mean, everybody that has to do something that has something to do with football in Ghana. And this is done by the GFA. So yes. the GFA calls this meeting. Yes. Yes. So it's a it's a congress. It's a congress President done by is them. There and yes. all of that. The I General Secretary Prosperity Senado. Okay. And they do this annually. Exactly. Was Cuisine Yantichi there? Just out of <laughs> curiosity. I mean I no. know that there was a time they said he shouldn't get close to football. Exactly. So he wasn't there. Oh. He wasn't close to that. He, he has a club, right? Or he had a club. Yeah, so he had a club. That was Wild Stars. That he won the Premier League twenty sixteen. Uh, so it's now Legon Cities. Oh, okay. yeah, so they play okay. uh, in the Premier League. Okay, yeah, but is so. he still the owner or he just has an interest in that? <laughs> I mean, we've heard people talking about the fact that he still has hands in, in the running of the club okay. that we okay. cannot prove. But Don't worry, let's yeah. not talk about Yantechi. I just mentioned him because I'm sure he would have attended a number of congresses <laughs> in the past. So they went to Kumasi. Was there a reason that they chose Kumasi or was there a regular routine? Yeah, so it was the first time um, happening in Kumasi. You know, every time the congress is about to start or every time they want to hold a congress, they do it here in Accra. But this time, the FA felt it was prudent enough to take it to Kumasi because they think that Kumasi has given them one of the best receptions, especially for the national teams and especially for the Black Stars, you want to put it. So they felt like, okay, let's let's try this in Kumasi this time. And like I said, you know how the Ashantis love football. So they felt it wise that they should take it there and see how this unfolds. I see. And they did it at KNUST. Exactly. Okay, I see. I'm sure they would have gotten... um, because if you follow the political congress, it's something like that would have been really, really big. Uh, except that there will be no party paraphernalia. So who are the big gurus apart from the GFA president, Keto Krikwen? Uh, so we had Ghana Sports Minister, Mustafa Yusuf. Okay. There. Uh, he was there in the last ordinary congress, that's the 28th. Mm-hmm. So he was there this time around. And um, there was um, Randy Abbey, who is an ESCO member. There was former GFA vice president, George Freer, who is, I mean, come out to announced that he will contest for this this year's GFA elections. Um, there was that's uh, Fred Papo, okay. who's also had one or th- one or two to do in the in the FA premises. Mm-hmm. So Top Guns um, club administrators Tony Obain, who is uh, also the ESCO member, acted as uh, Ghana's that's the committee chairman for Ghana's Chan team. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yes, so a host of artists, and so, I mean, club and mistresses and that kind of thing. Going into this Congress, what were the issues? I mean, I heard you guys on Panorama on Friday talk about the filing fees. What other issues were up for discussion today, moving ahead into the Congress? Yeah, so the filing fee was one big thing that everybody was looking forward to because there was an APRO. Uh, people were shocked as to why the GFA raised the amount from 5000 to 50000 Explain that. So, so current in the last election, which was when? Yes, that's 2019. The one that brought Kurt in. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And and that was that, that amount was brought out by the GFA Normalization Committee okay. that it was 5000 So after four years... So you paid 5000 to pick forms to pick form. and run? Yes, and run. Okay. After four years and Kurt's mandate is, is almost done, that will be in October, mm-hmm. they felt <laughs> that they would increase it because they, feel, they say that uh, because of the cost to run the elections or to host the elections and the logistics that has to to be taken care of and that kind of thing so they feel like yeah that 900 percent increment is is wise to 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 go about it so they went from five thousand to fifty thousand to fifty thousand how much you pay yes to pick up phones yes and and the biggest shock was that prior to the congress you know the general consensus was that it was exorbitant mm-hmm. so they were looking, maybe you have football people not agreeing to that. But funny enough, when we're monitoring from our space, nobody actually contested. So it meant that everybody agreed to that that payment. So nobody contested at the place. Yes. So unanimously, it was, it was um, but uh, pra- they had to just Prior to let the it go. Congress, were there people who were kicking against it um, publicly? So- Publicly, yes, because I mean, we pick. I, I picked up the sense from the Ghanaian football space that yeah, they said it was too high, and that maybe you could have started for some from somewhere. So maybe like a fifteen thousand or a twenty. So it should be a gradual process. Yes, a gradual process, not but huge, not too high in that in that regard. But when they went and they said as many as are in favor, everybody said aye. Yes, yeah, so Prosper Isnado, he's a general secretary. He actually announced that, mm-hmm. and it was just quick. So I think we'll have to take a listen to that. All right. Again, the convocation has been sent to all members of Congress. Um, the GFA did not receive any counter proposals from the membership of Congress. Therefore, the proposed nomination fees have been carried. So that's Prosper Harrison Addo, General Secretary, yep. Ghana yep. Football yep. Association. Yep. It means that as many as are in favor, I the move is on. So yeah. now, if you want to run for president in the GFA, yeah, you have, you to, have to pay fifty thousand Ghana cities to. And pay then the I think it keeps going down all the way. Yeah. To so the, the RFA chairman, they have the amount to pay. That's around twenty fifteen thousand in that in that order. Yeah. I see. Yeah. Okay. So this this was no contest. Nobody. There was no contest. Yes. yes. All right. What what else was discussed? Uh, so the another thing that was discussed was uh, the ban of Ashanti Gold. And um, that is where we had the famous Alaji Guza to stand up and say he wasn't in agreement of that. Explain, give us a backstory. So the backstory is that uh, that's 2020-21 season. That's the season where Hart of Fogo won the Premier League mm-hmm. under Samo Buedu. So Intalize and Ashgold were involved in some alleged match fixing. So it was after the season they had to go through, they had to do a proper scan, uh, a thorough investigation. And when they had all their evidence, they banned the two clubs for the match fixing uh, allegations you get it so um for ashanti gold um the reason why this was officially done was that they say that they had they still had the club officials um had their way to do all they were still in working with the club that's mm-hmm. a president dr kukufrim point his son 
Emmanuel Frimpon. Mm. So it means that they had to ban them because they had they still had their running in the club, and that's not in the GFA's um, running. So they had to take that. I mean, we all knew that Ashanti go for some time now have not played in the Ghana Premier League. From after that, that's the twenty twenty. So they played in the next season. Then following season they did not play because the investigation had to take some time. You get it, yeah. So after they had to, they, they felt foul or they had a lot of faults in in those two teams. For Intalis, they have been quiet for some time now. But Ashgold and the GFA have headed to the courts on several occasions. We had Ashgold's lawyer and um, Edward Crapsum talking about the fact that they were still going to 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 take this on and on, and they were still going. They wanted Ashgold reinstated in the league, but the GFA also felt that they had concrete evidence to stand on whatever they wanted to do with Ashgold. So um, today was that day that that official confirmation had to come from the GFA. Whether they are in or out. Yes, whether they are in or out. And then Alaji Guza felt like, because Ashgold so, is... So FA decided today that the ban continues. Yes, so they actually voted. Okay. And they had 67% of the members all in... in agreement of the FA's decision to ban Ashanti Gold. Okay. And they had 17 not agreeing. So Gruza was part of... But Gruza is Kim Faisal. Yes, Gruza yeah. was part of the people who actually did not agree. And also... He did not agree that the club should be banned. Yes. What's his interest? His interest is that he thinks that Ashgold is one of the traditional clubs okay. in the Ghana football space. And Ashgold has contributed to Ghana football extensively. Not just the football, but he feels... They are one of the traditional clubs that um, the way they've been handled by the GFA is unfair. Okay. Yeah, so that is his stance and that is why he thinks so that... So he protested there today? Yes, so I think his, his, um, his call is that we can ban the players mm-hmm. and let us go still compete. So it, it won't be the players who are involved in whatever... So maybe the managers, the players, yes, but not exactly, the club. Exactly, so that was Guzer's case. And also... We had um, Abdul Salam Yakubu, who is the new Adibiasi president. Uh, remember that prior to the start of this. So I'll let us talk about new Adibiasi. Yeah. Um, I'll us just finish with this one. Keto Krik, who spoke? Exactly, he spoke. So, so what did he touch on? Yeah. Did he touch on new Adibiasi or he touched on the, um, the Ashgold issue? Well, he touched on a different issue. The issue just came over the weekend. It was um, one... Okay, so uh, it's, n- it's none of them. Then if that's the case, then let's talk about Nia Yeah. That that letter that they wrote. Yeah, yeah, yes. To yes. GFA. Exactly. Same they word. wanted the roadmap for the elections. Mm-hmm. And they said that they said that it, it, it was taking so much time for the GFA to release the roadmap. So that was their so argument. roadmap to what? Elections? To, to the elections that okay. would be held in October. Okay. Yeah, so uh, as part of the Congress or whatever they discussed there, they said that their election committee would bring out the roadmap and then the public will get to know about about it. But Abdul Salam Yakubu felt Keto Kriku's speech during the Congress was he was using the platform more to campaign. And so he wasn't particularly happy with some of the words he spewed out. So I think that we would have to listen to Keto Kriku. Okay. Some of the bad moments also include a continuous canker that currently exists within our football ecosystem. And I'll speak to this. Honorable Minister, when we took office, we established one canker. That is, attempts by people within the football ecosystem to always nicodemously go into the administrative part of our game 
fish out documents and push these documents into the public space to malign people and to damage the image of our sport. This cancas is still within football. The last few months, we've still had this cancas coming back to football, where people within and without find themselves picking up memos, doctrine documents, and to malign and to damage individuals in our sports. Honorable Minister, what we fail to recognize is that such bad habits may be damaging to the leader of the FA, but it is more damaging to the football brand that we have. In recent times, people have used phones to take photographs of documents within the FA, and same have been reported to the security agencies, and soon people will be brought to justice. The GFA president is not happy with the canker, <laughs> including what you guys have been doing. Yeah. You've been leaking or picking <laughs> leaked documents and... I mean, I was I was monitoring the um, Congress keenly, and I could sense, I could see from his facial expression that he wasn't particularly happy mm-hmm. with the way the last few weeks has panned out, especially with one um, Akwisio saying Krumah, who is a whistleblower who describes himself as an sports enthusiast and also an advocate for social and community development through sports. He's petitioned the investigative chamber of the Ethics Committee of Football's World Governing Body, that's FIFA, to investigate Keto Kreku okay. uh, for some breaches. He he fought, So it was on four grounds, and those are forgery and falsification, uh, conflicts of interest, um, abuse of position, duty of loyalty, and manipulation of football matches or competitions. Now, we don't have much evidence to this, but some of them... He for, for a perfect example for the forgery and falsification, he stated that Ket has registered his name in, in two different names. So there's Ket Edwin Samuel Nokreku mm-hmm. and there's Edwin Samuel Nokreku and he's used that to register um different that's organizations. You get it. So these are some of the things that sparked or you could sense that anger behind his voice. On top of it too is I mean the way people have particularly are not happy with the way the national teams have performed the alleged um, player influence selection and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Accession of players belong to a particular um, that firm. That influences who, yes. who gets called up in exactly. the so, Yes, I mean, that's how Kate has actually gone with his way of replying to people who criticize him. I see. When he gets his way, he also replies. So what else did he talk about apart from this frustration that he expressed? Yeah, so he spoke about refereeing. Okay. And I mean, Sandra, I think on one of your shows, you spoke to Alex Cote for mm-hmm. a referee who was mm-hmm. some way somehow beaten and that kind of thing. But Alex Cote. 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 <laughs> okay. Mm. Yeah, so... There's an Alex Cote, former, okay. from the Anastin, but yeah. it's Alex Cote. Cote. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, um, I mean, refereeing... In, 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 in our football space hasn't been the best thing. You know, mm-hmm. I watch a lot of Ghana Premier League matches and um I mean every season, season in, season out, you always have referees dominating headlines instead of the match itself dominating headlines. Mm-hmm. So he was talking about the fact that there are still measures in place that's you know, they, they have this catch them young refereeing policy. Okay. And after the Anax ex- expose, the plan is that they would nurture young talent, groom them better, and then they become world world stars in red. So let's take a listen to Kate on that. When I said that we identified two big problematic areas in football, I spoke about refereeing and I spoke about coaching. I've already made my position clear on coaching. We have big problems in coaching in Ghana. Refereeing, we have challenges. 
I have spoken about the solution to our coaching problems. The solution to our refereeing problems is already in motion. We introduce what has become so famous, not only in Ghana, not only in, Af in, in West Africa, but in world football. We introduce the Cardem Young refereeing policy. Where kids from the ages of 12 to 18 who show the right levels of passion are recruited and offered training to be match officials at the tender age of 14. That's Keto Kriku, GFA president. Now, he's coming up for an election, isn't he? Uh, his first term ends. Yeah, he is. Can he run again? <sighs> I mean, is he constitutionally allowed to contest and run again? That's yeah, right. he is. Okay. Yeah, he who is. and who are gunning for his job. So there's a judge of free, eh? He contested him the He last contested time. him last time and had to um, bow out because he realized the numbers were not going in, in his favor. Mm. This time around, he's come out again confidently and thinks that he can give Kets uh, a run for his money. So judge of free, I mean, he was vice president on Anyantichi's okay. era and um, well known in the football space. He's acted in a number of roles in the national teams. He knows the Ghana football space very well. I'm not too sure of of what um, energy or what um, competition he'll give Kit. Okay. Because you look at from my my from where I sit and the sense I pick pick up, Kit seems very confident that he will win again and continue with what he wants to do or things that is right for Ghana football. Another one too is Kujo Yanka. Um, he was a former Western Regional Football Chairman under. That's a question. So these are like old guns trying to pop up their heads again and try and see if they can give uh Kert a run for his money. So far these two, that's what that's what we have. Were they in Kumasi too today? I so I saw Georgia Free, okay. but I didn't see Kojo Yanka. I see. Yeah. So that election is coming up in October. October. The date is not yet. The actual date is not yet out. Right. Yes. So, so that's they'll be settling on that. They'll be settling on that in the coming few in the few weeks I think that will be out. But yeah. is Ghana football looking better from this Congress you reckon or no. the same thing that has been repeated and nothing no big deal. Would you say <laughs> to this Congress has put Ghana football in a better position than it was before today? I mean, the Congress will always be the Congress, but I think that the football itself hasn't been the best. Um, if you want to judge it with how our national teams are fed in major competitions, especially from the last two years, we've got kicked out at what major tournaments. It's either a group stage or a round of 16, or we don't qualify at all. Mm. And a perfect example is the satellite. I mean, the Black Maidens also got banned two years. They are missing out on the World Cup. The so let's from the top. So Ghana Black Stars, what's the situation? So now? the Black Stars 2019. After the, no, I mean, I mean currently, what's the status? The status is that we are actually playing. We have a Central African Republic to play. Then we qualify for the AFCON next year. Okay. But the so past how, how AFCON... How does it look like? Uh, it's, that game is in Kumasi under Chris Uten. Okay. And I think that if you look at the way the AFCON games have played out, we've won all our, all our home games. And Kumasi, like I said in my earlier intro, has given the Black Stars one of the good receptions. So I think that Chris so Uten is in poor position so Black, to qualify. It looks, it looks positive for yes. AFCON. We would qualify, but it's it's about making... What we'll do there when we go. Exactly. When we, how to get to the final and win it. That's the, the problem. The Meteors? The Meteors just got kicked out at the group stage of the U23 AFCON. Moko won it eventually. Hmm. So and, it's not been good. And the satellites. The satellites are actually playing the Waffle Zone B. Currently, they are losing to Burkina Faso. Right? To Burkina Faso. With yes. all the terrorists. And Burkina have always been a thorn in our flesh. In, in Every time we meet them in the Waffle Zone B. Yeah. I see. And the Queens? The Queens actually, today, so today they had their um, 
training session, they are preparing for a test against Guinea. That's a 2024 Olympic qualifiers. And they have a new coach in our hopto. Um, yes, a Swiss. She's doing well so far. She's not lost the game. Which one have I left out? Which national team? The Starlets. The Starlets. Yes, Starlet. that's the U-17. U Under-17. Yes, so they also have a new coach in Karim Zito. Karim Zito, who won the U-20 World Cup, is trying to also revive them. So, yeah. <sighs> we pray for the best. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> Thank Gabby you, Sunday. From the City Sports Desk. And that would be for Eyewitness News tonight. My name is Umaru Sanda. I'm at the production by Kobna Wilson, Bevlin London, and Sami Wiafi. Technical support from Daniel Squashy. New media support from Edwin Kwakofi. We return tomorrow at 17.30 GMT. Thank you for listening. Have a good night. our hotline on 0302-224959 and get interactive on Facebook, City 97.3 FM and on Twitter at City 973.